0: We're slovenly, we're feeling it, we're really kind of dumb. We're Terry, Shaw, and Lisa, all here to have some fun. So
1: guard your holes, let's make some rolls, and talk some D&D, D&D with the Cave trolls. trolls. Hello and welcome to the Cave Trolls Podcast. My name is Terry Smith, your faithful host with the least. With me today is one half of the feminist fact-checkers, one half of the slovenly trolls. Shardé, how are you doing?
0: I'm really good. I'm actually the better half. So if you could introduce me as the better half, that'd be really
1: appreciated. The best half of the slovenly <laughs> trolls, the worst half of the feminist fact-checkers. Got to balance whoa, out. Whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, 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 whoa. As as <laughs> our yeah, as on. our
1: pink daddy Thanos has said, uh all things require balance in the universe.
0: Uh, I didn't agree to that. <laughs> Listen, Josh <laughs> Rowland is king.
1: Uh except for him and old boy. He does a good job, but the original's better uh where is lissa today she she's missing she's uh MIA. fighting the hordes in some fantasy land and cannot attend
0: mm-hmm. she is sleeping probably
1: <laughs> that's what we we were doing <laughs> some math and we were like well she had been up for like 34 hours straight um uh-huh. you know she's five hours ahead and i knew she had already been up for like 24 hours because of jet lag and then i see you two online playing divinity original sim at like uh sin at like 1 a.m
0: you didn't need to call us out like that. Oh no, it's, it's being <laughs> called out. I, I want on the
1: record that I saw your debauchery for myself. I'm I was Listen. supposed to be in bed at ten, and I was up planning a a one shot for next Saturday.
0: Listen, shouldn't you be planning D and D for Friday? That's Thursday? already planned.
1: I planned that one when, when you gave me your lore drop of like you're like this is what oh, I want crap. to happen in the Feywild. <laughs> I was like, cool. I know exactly what I got to do. So
0: solid well i mean without lisa here we can have a, a dm exclusive episode maybe i don't
1: know I, I, yeah i think i think that might I mean be where it. we go into it i apologize that it's just us two. uh deal with it i know our loving fans sorry that may or may not exist they're all hypothetical because we're recording this in secret no one knows this podcast exists it's so exciting yeah. to have a secret it's like when i wear a thong from victoria's secret nobody knows but <laughs> me it's our secret
0: do um, I have to, every time I see you now, ask if you're wearing a thong?
1: I would appreciate it. I feel like we've reached that level of our friendship that you can ask. I want I to be able to for, talk I, about it.
0: I would hope so after 10 years, you know?
1: As a guy, I feel extremely uncomfortable asking another woman what she is wearing, and I won't do that, but uh, <laughs> but you can always ask me. I want you to know that if you want to know, I'm, I'm willing to tell you. I won't, however, offer that information because that's sexual harassment. So, um, on that note, let's move on. Uh what's up next? Let's talk about our bowel movements, I believe is on the list of the things that the listeners do not want to hear about. You get your coffee in this morning?
0: I am currently drinking some now. Yeah. Did you
1: get your Metamucil because, you know, that fiber is important.
0: It is very important. However, I just take multivitamins and vitamin D because I don't see the sun. So,
1: <laughs> man, um, I don't know. Everybody I talk to is like, "Well, listen, I don't really do the vitamin thing. I don't but vitamin D." Uh <laughs>
0: Well when we're, I we're all when nocturnal. I well, when I lived in the UK. Juan, you lived in the UK? I didn't I did. I, I've never
1: heard I that fact about you.
0: I know, I'll tell you all about it. But <laughs> apparently when you live in the UK for um, around two years, most GPs, which are their general practitioner doctors, they recommend that you start taking the vitamin D supplements because just England doesn't get as much sun. Some other places, so they just they always because and if you don't take vitamin D, you get sicker more often, and that is a hundred percent true. I was I was getting colds. while I was also working in primary schools, but I was getting colds like every couple of weeks, and then I started <laughs> taking vitamin D, and it was fine. So.
1: Well, there you go. Um, all the things that Alex Jones says are true. Take those vitamin supplements, and the the mm-hmm. water's turning the frogs gay, right? So that makes everything exactly. true? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just making sure I... <laughs> <laughs> so then, Especially
0: the water in the Thames, yeah.
1: My mom was afraid to tell me that she started taking vitamin D because I always thought, I'm like, don't listen to any of those like hawksters like, trying to get you to like, eat vitamins. And then she <laughs> had, but her doctor, her doctor, her medical, her, her primary physician was like, hey, you have a vitamin D deficiency, you need vitamin D. And she was afraid to tell me, I was like, no mom, that's the time where you do take vitamins, god damn it
0: yeah no you listen to your doctors everybody listen listen to your your actual doctors
1: Oh my gosh. Anyways, this is not uh What Are You Taking podcast. This is What Are You Rolling podcast. And today we're talking mm-hmm. about D&D things in the news like the classic gold box D&D games hitting Steam, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, and a new 5e supplement that's going to allow you to play some Penny Dreadful in your 5e campaign. So let's just jump right into it. Sharday, as a fan of yeah. Divinity Original Sin, are you going to go check out all those classic D&D RPGs? <laughs>
0: Well, as a fan of Divinity Original Sin, I have never played any of the original games, D&D games on computer or otherwise. Um so <laughs> I think I need to educate myself. I would love to play the originals. I just I don't have a history with them, so I don't have a just irrepressible urge to play them right away. I just started playing the original Baldur's Gate like a couple months ago and I've already put it down and haven't played it in a very long time. So it's very (laughs) difficult.
1: Um <laughs> there's a huge difference in the games, right? Like Baldur's Gate, if you go back, like when people picture Baldur's Gate, I think you probably picture something closer to Divinity Original Sin, but that's not the case. They're they're hack and slashes. Mm-hmm. They're Diablo-likes, yeah. I guess, if you want to compare it to something.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and these are not that. These are like classic RPGs, um, even closer to point and click sometimes. Uh oh, sure. they're they're cool, and especially at the time when the only thing you could get close to D D was Final Fantasy One and Two in the West. These are so mm-hmm. cool like that. Fun throwbacks, oh my god, will you beat your head against the wall if you go back and play
0: them? <laughs> like, yeah.
1: Uh if you don't have nostalgia for it, I I, I have a like a problem recommending them because they are a little yeah. obtuse. But if you jump sure. into them, they're really cool because they added a feature with these new uh, Gold Box games where you can run through a lot of them with the same party and transfer it from game to game.
0: Oh, that's super cool!
1: And as a kid who grew up in the 2000s playing all of the Dot Hack Sign games, which blew my mind. So you beat a Dot Hack Sign game, which is like the most convoluted anime MMO. It's Sword Art Online for you, you know, Zoomers out there. Um, it's <laughs> Sword Art Online before Sword Art Online. It was Dot Hack Sign. And you can mm-hmm. play the dot .hack games, you beat the game, and then you buy the next one and load your character into it. So you got to level 100 in the first game, now you're starting at level 101, and you gotta get to 200 by the end of this game to, get, to be able to fight the next one. And you can't just start the next one, because if you start at level 1, you're fucked um yeah. that's how they get you and now you can do a similar thing with these so i'm excited to do it i am one of those crazy people who are addicted to to jrpgs and turn-based rpgs in general i'll put 25 to 40 hours into any game and get about halfway through these fuckers because they're like 160 hours um yeah. so
0: you have to do everything every, you, side, I, quest, I, every
1: side who everything. doesn't do all the side quests what monsters are I like don't... i'm not gonna help you get your grandfather's ring fuck you peasant
0: I have no idea. I so uh listen, I on top of playing the original Divinity Sin Divinity Original Sin the first one, we also play Divinity Original Sin with friends on co-op. Yeah. And we um, one of our friends that we play with, he just he doesn't read any of the dialogue. He doesn't do any of the side <laughs> right. quests. He just murder hobos everyone. Oh and, man, so it's
1: like a like pure D&D experience for you. The one person in the party is. is like I'm just going to punch the wolf.
0: We have to babysit him. Literally, we will go off like just trying to fill out the map and somebody will always have to be babysitting him because he always gets into trouble. He always gets into fights that we are way too low level for. And <laughs> he doesn't remember how to turn in quests because he just like clicks through all the dialogue and doesn't understand what's <laughs> happening. Like, Oh, who's this person? Oh, who's this person? It's like, oh, I don't know. Maybe you should like read the dialogue and find out. Jeez. <laughs> no, Willikers. no,
1: no, no, no. That would make sense.
0: Right? And you can't make sense in a co-op game, obviously. It has to be all chaos all the time, which I'm a fan of <laughs> chaos, but there there's a limit <laughs> for me. Plus, I just really like RPGs, and I like immersing myself in the story. So, I mean, it's probably just a personal preference.
1: I think what we do to get around all of this, because I know, like you said, you kind of want to check them out, the, the classic Gold Box games. Yeah. And I've played them before. I think we maybe add that to our Steam lineup for some of our Twitch
0: streams. Ooh. Ooh, yeah, we could do that.
1: Because they're really fun. My, my other idea, before these were announced, this, this got announced like two, three days ago when we were recording this. Um, before mm-hmm. this was announced, I thought about walking you all through uh, Final Fantasy 1. Oh, sure. Because that was my first experience with D&D stuff, was Final Fantasy 1 and weirdly enough Final Fantasy 7. Uh, that was the first time like, I had taken a turn and casted a spell and you yeah. know like tried to beat someone's HP. That was my first experience with like the D&D idea. And uh, these these games are cool, again, for me going to a friend's house and like loading up their Mac or like their weird ass (laughs) PC. We played Doom and then these D&D games. So I have some nostalgia for them. Um, but, but I think if we weren't doing it for entertainment, I wouldn't say let's play them. But maybe we add them to the list of random shit we were trying to play. Do
0: we need to be slightly inebriated?
1: Oh, what, I think anything you play that's retro, I, I think that's the <laughs> best way to go about it. Like, I'm a big Dragon. like arcade guy. And my wife's always like, well, if we're going to go, let's get some beers. I'm like, that is the correct way to do this with me
0: that is correct i've been playing the original Baldur's gate wrong next time i boot it up i just need to have like a cider or something just every time take you take yeah
1: every time you take a potion you take a shot
0: perfect i love that game I um, do it alone in my computer room yeah.
1: i don't i don't know if i ever beat the original Baldur's gate uh Baldur's gate 2 i believe was that the one on ps2 which one allows you to have drizz in your party
0: I that's a great I have no idea I just started familiarizing myself with Baldur's Gate and original Forgotten Realms stuff so I'm the wrong person to ask I think
1: it was Baldur's (laughs) Gate 2 or one of the spinoffs of Baldur's Gate because that's the one I put a shit ton of time on because it was on PS2 and I could play it with my buddy um because like we were like let's play D&D but we didn't have the books we didn't know really what D&D was because we grew up in the middle of the woods uh, but I loved Ari Salvatore stuff, so I was like, anything with a drow and a panther and uh-huh. swords. I'm like, fucking, let's do you, this.
0: You just unlocked a core memory. I have this. I just had this flash of I was. I'm in my friend's basement, and we're playing their original Xbox, Ooh. or, and we're playing a D and D co op game. I bet you it was Baldur's Gate too. It had to be because I have. I think we started playing that game before we ever started doing a campaign because I played with the same, like at least one of the same friends I was playing with. It was me, my friend, her brother, and my brother, and we all played. Oh my god, it had to be Baldur's Gate too. I just I don't remember what happened in the game at all, but I remember playing together. I remember it being very isometric looking, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and
1: that sounds like Baldur's
0: Gate. I don't remember. It could have been it could have been a like a
1: Diablo. Like there was a few back then, especially on the original Xbox, but there's a, there's a good chance you were there. If you were, if you have memories of breaking barrels and killing large rats, it was probably Baldur's Gate.
0: <laughs> I do not, but I'm going to message my friend now after we record and see if she remembers what it was that we played, because it's going to bother me <laughs> 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 what it was. It sounds very Baldur's Gate. It sounds very Baldur's Gate. And I'm pretty sure Dungeons and Dragons was in the title.
1: And and that's so exciting, too, because I I remember when I unlocked when I like when I unlocked my knowledge of Forgotten Realms, when I dove deep into Ari Salvatore, when I was like between 10 and 12 is when I got handed a thousand orcs and that broke me (laughs) wide open into Dritz. And then I and then I read like the entire um, Dark Elf trilogy, you know, like Sojourn Mm -hmm. and like what it actually takes place, like his origin story kind of thing. Yeah. Um. Right before that, I had started to notice there was these themes in these games. So I had heard of Baldur's Gate, and I had heard of Neverwinter Nights... And a couple mm-hmm. of other games like that, and I was like, these all have like the same spell names, kind of like when you play Final Fantasy and you're like, oh, that's Faraga. like that, like they yeah. have that motif. I was like, these things have like these same spells, and I've heard this name pop up, and they keep saying Drow and shit like that. I'm like, I wonder if that's like a shared universe or something, or if it's based on a property. And then I start reading Areselter, I'm like, this is D and D. This is what D and D is. this yeah. it's all the same thing, and it blew my mind. <laughs> and it was it was like an awakening. I was like, I must get my hands on these games. <laughs> it's
0: just you're one of the many gifts of just like somebody with really wide eyes. And the universe is opening up behind them.
1: Exactly because if it didn't have D and D in the title, I didn't know that it was part of that thing, um, which is also like bad braining like on their parts. <laughs>
0: I mean that's fine. I was talking to my dad recently because he's a big fantasy nerd, and I was talking to him, and I just recently found out about the Dragonlance books.
1: Oh, and it was when we were
0: recording our episode with Megan, and I was doing a bunch of research on Dragonlance. And I was talking to my dad about it. and I'm just like, "Hey, have you ever read these?" He's like, "Yeah, I read those." I'm like, "Did you know those were D and D books?" He's like, "No, they weren't." And I'm like, "Yeah, they were. <laughs> they,
1: <laughs> they were D and D before Forgotten Realms, basically."
0: Yeah, exactly. He was mind blown. He had no idea, and yeah, I do, I blew his mind with that one because so, like they don't even ahead. share the same names as any of the Forgotten Realms people. They have like Takesis instead of Tiamat, and um, what like, Paladine instead of Halor or something. Yeah, because it's, they, a, di- it's different a different setting.
1: It was full yeah. cloth. So before, so when they little, I'm gonna do a lore drop on you real quick. So when Ari Salvatore was writing, as well as he's not the only one, there was several writers at the time, like they were doing like the Waterdeep trilogy and several other like different Mm -hmm. books in the Forgotten Realms. The rule that came down on high was this has to be canon to the game. So the spells you're doing, you can break some rules, but for the most part, it's got to follow the rules of advanced D&D, which was the version at the time. Um, before that, when they were like, Hey, we just need more people interested in the shit that we're doing. It doesn't have to be exactly the same. And everyone plays games differently. Kind of like how we do 5e now, where it's like, it's, it's mostly forgotten realms, but we kind of do our own thing. Um, they were like hey go write this and that's what Dragonlance was it was hey this is mostly D&D and we're going to put our branding on it but it's it's own setting and eventually supplements came out to support that and it's it's own thing um, and there's a couple of different uh, Dragonlance books you can go out and buy but for the most part it was it's own setting people didn't know the connection if you weren't a huge D&D nerd or a huge Dragonlance nerd and now with the multiverse of madness or no, that's, that's the Doctor Strange movie <laughs> uh, Mordenkainen's uh, uh, Represents the multiverse of whatever I can't think of. Yeah, uh, monsters of the multiverse. Damn it, I got it. I got it on a sticky note here in you case, got it case it people thought. I was, I, yeah, um, that has some Dragonlance stuff on there, and they've talked about returning to it. that setting.
0: I uh, saw an article about that. Megan posted about that. Yeah, just, yeah, just, yeah exactly. Like, yeah.
1: So so there's there's going to be some more Dragonlance stuff, so it's really cool if you're a classic D&D nerd and you really like those novels before the Forgotten Realms ones that you can go jump back into it. It's always bothered me because I'm a Forgotten Realms guy, that there's no connection. There's a few characters that had hopped between universes, and because of the multiverse, everything's connected. But for the most right. part, it's its own setting, and there's so much useless knowledge happening in my brain, I've never gone back and read all of the Dragonlance books. But... The idea that they're going to try to connect it through some things um, is really, really cool. And if you like Dragonlance and with it coming back, I recommend going back and checking out some of those novels. They're a little hokey in some parts. Um, it's like reading Wheel of Time without some of the modern cheek to it mm-hmm so like there's there's something you'll get into you're like wow that's just a nice night you're like is there a secret there it's like nah, he's just a nice night that's just kind of his thing no
0: nope, I'm just the archetype that's it <laughs> no, no, no more depth there
1: but they are really cool and they're classics so I, I do recommend that but yeah i wanted to dump some of this random knowledge i know about Dragonlance.
0: always always here for the lore drops
1: so moving on to the next thing is tiny tina's wonderlands do you give a fuck about borderlands before i jump into the description
0: <laughs> i know of borderlands i've been told to play borderlands i just haven't gotten around to it slash don't own them yet but i <laughs> i know of tiny tina's wonderlands you can't like be familiar i think with video games slash, especially rpg video games and D without knowing about it i feel like because I, I found about it out of i found out about it not like against my own will i just heard of it
1: someone tied you down and was like play borderlands
0: play border i mean i'm sure somebody has wanted to because i've been recommended it for years but i just <laughs> haven't gotten around to it yet um but I, I i heard about it like on one of those youtube countdowns or something i think for the first time like
1: <laughs> top 10 best- games to play with your friends while drinking
0: Yeah, and then Tiny Team is Wonderland specifically, uh, like on like a top DLC one or like a top side quest one or something. And I heard about it. I'm like, well, if anything is going to get me to play Borderlands, it's obviously this. So, <laughs> I know of it. I just never played it.
1: Okay, well, let me jump into it. So, Borderlands is a Diablo-like but first-person shooter. So, you know, you kill things, they drop loot. You go, it kind of coined the 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 term looter shooter. Like so if you've heard that Borderlands mm-hmm. basically created or really mastered that genre, um you pick one of uh, I think five classes, maybe it was just four originally, and you go through you're you're in like a feudalistic future there's a corporation that owns the universe and you're trying to find this hidden treasure on this planet that's not mars but it's basically mars and uh there's some magic involved a lot of mutants so high fantasy meets a sci-fi kind of dune-esque if dune was really funny that's borderlands I've heard
0: very good things about the humor of Borderlands. Too. I yes, I do
1: recommend the quality of the writing. Like if you just want to go through, it's funny. It, there are is some heartwarming moments. Um, I, honestly, you know what it scratches of a little bit is Terry Pratchett almost. Um, no obviously thanks. more like the yeah. American crassness of it, but mm-hmm. how everything is a little heartfelt, a little earnest and cheeky. Like I get a lot of mm-hmm. Discworld vibes. If you my my classic fantasy people out there dropping Dragonlance mm-hmm. and Discworld all in one podcast um that's the kind of comedy that it strikes me of but like updated a little bit more of that western crass uh anyways though there's a character in that first game as well as the second game called tiny tina and she's this little insane pyro girl who um eventually joins like your crew and you blow shit up and do missions for her at one point she runs a little like fantasy game And through some sci-fi shenanigans, it comes real. And that's the DLC for Borderlands 2 where you go fight dragons instead of the crags or whatever they're called that are basically the flying monsters from Tremors. Mm Mm-hmm and that was really really popular one of the most popular dlcs they had ever done they finally broke it out it's its own standalone thing this game tiny tina's wonderland specifically is its own thing it's its own game it's kind of a borderlands like it's got most of the same mechanics but it's all fantasy themed because the idea of the game is tiny tina is running a dnd game for all the people that you normally play as and you are playing inside of said D and D game, so you're not playing um, the berserker. You're playing the berserker's character that he rolled in her D and D game.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> yeah,
1: so like, there's a lot of meta textual stuff to it. Um, it's a lot more fantasy themed. A lot of a lot more uh, melee combat as well in the game. Uh it, it looks cool. If you like D and D and you like Borderlands, this is when I would recommend it to you. I kind of got burnt out on Borderlands back in the Xbox 360 days. Got my fill of Never. it. I, I don't really need to go back to it, necessarily. Um, but if you like Left 4 Dead or any of those, jump in. You're going to have a good time. But if you want a lot of good D&D jokes, like a lot of the cutscenes, like Cutting Away because they rolled a 1 and they now they got to fight the boss, shit like that. It's, it's a fun mm-hmm. time. I recommend it for that. The price tag's a little steep if you just want some D&D shenanigans. I much say that you check out the classic gold box D games for cheaper on steam <laughs> um if it's just the D D aspect you're looking for but yeah check that out if you're a fan of both of those char i think this is another one we get drunk and go play tiny tina's wonderlands on stream i think we'd have a good it time. sounds
0: amazing I, I'm I'm I th- I'm probably more excited to play that one than the <laughs> classic I, I, ones I, I honestly like I'm familiar with you know modern game mechanics
1: exactly same and it's it's gonna be a better game though so I think just objectively probably. that's just how time yeah. works
0: <laughs> that is it just gets better video games at least
1: exactly um next up on the list is the new 5e supplement I saw this Kickstarter for it and I want to talk about it a little bit I don't talk about every single uh, Kickstarter for a supplement for 5e or every single, you know, drive through RPG supplement that comes out because there's a lot of them. I wish I could talk about all of them, but it they would take over the entire podcast. But I know you love Victorian stuff because you've been to the UK. If people don't know, um, yeah, people don't know that, yeah. yeah, you're, you're a big fan of that. And I know you like vampires and Penny dreadful like stuff. So this new supplement is mm-hmm. coming out. It's, I'm going to put the link to the Kickstarter in the notes trying to find a name for it though (laughs) fanged fables um is the name of the the 5e supplement uh it's on kickstarter now and it's got a penny dreadful vibe it's got a lot of rules and a lot of setting notes for running a curse of strahd like campaign in victorian streets we're talking gaslight districts we're talking misty stuff in the distance on the cobblestone and a vampire comes out of the shadows maybe it's a vampire maybe it's jack the ripper so if you like penny dreadful that's the thing for you uh we were talking before this about well we don't buy a lot of supplements and if we were going to run one maybe we just do curse of straw the reason why i would recommend this is the adventure itself um, rather than some of the tables and things that they threw out. There's a lot of really good artwork in the book. They've put a lot of time and effort into this. I don't see a lot of typos, which is something I see a lot in like these <laughs> fan-made supplements, which like, you know, listen, not every, you can't afford an editor, it happens. Um, but this yeah. is a really well-made book which I could see giving money to as a Kickstarter campaign, uh, which mm-hmm. a lot of them I don't. And the other thing is, if you're going to run Curse of Strahd, if you don't know, Curse of Strahd is a vampire game where you're basically fighting dracula but it is the classic romani village it is oh there's misty mountains maybe is that a harpy no it's a vampire uh it, it's very rural. this is setting it in those gaslight districts so you have this classic london-esque city under the gaslights and you don't get that vibe a lot out of DD, and there's definitely no adventures that support it at least in the official context so if you want to run one of those games you don't want to write it yourself you want to walk these through and you're a big fan of penny dreadful uh, which I am. Love that show. Uh, is it on Showtime? I can't remember where I watched it. I is think Showtime I watched it on Netflix. Stars? It's yes, it's one of those two, exactly. Um uh, yeah, but I watched I it also all on Netflix. I love it. It's great. Did you watch the sequel show. series?
0: There's a sequel series, so there, that's your answer. <laughs> there
1: is. Um what it is takes it? place in LA. I forget the name of it. It's got uh, Natalie Dormer in it. Um it's not okay, good. I do love it I, on I don't recommend it. Uh there Well as
0: soon as you said LA, I'm like, why? why
1: LA I don't know I don't know Uh, just to set itself apart it's like LA in the in like the 40s
0: that's boring it's it's (laughs) It's definitely it's a different vibe
1: yeah it's a different vibe um and different monsters too um partly so they don't retread the same ground but it just was a different flavor so much so that I didn't enjoy it I'm not gonna like say that it's not a good show or a bad show or anything like that just I wasn't for me really uh, yeah,
0: that doesn't sound appealing to me personally. I might check out an episode or two if I ever stumble across it, but it doesn't sound <laughs> exactly like, my vibe. Yeah. But no, this we'll
1: though, like yeah. the, the Fang Fables, uh, do you think you're gonna check that out?
0: I might. I definitely might. I'm currently playing in a homebrew campaign where she is trying to accomplish this very aesthetic, not with the vampires or anything, but a lot of this uh the world that she has built is very based in the industrial era, Victorian era stuff. Okay. Um. So I'm a huge fan of already playing in those worlds. So just checking out this for pure curiosity would be interesting. I might check it out maybe to recommend to her for like more ideas for her setting. But I'm reading the article and it just, there's this like sentence that kind of weirds me out a bit. And this might just be the article and it says the the fanged fables enables game masters to add vampire encounters characters or general <laughs> vampire themed content into their existing storylines and like vampires already exist <laughs> like so i don't understand why that's written and that's not
1: like that's that's kind of um that's it seems like some editorializing for the website that's not really how they're selling it on the kickstarter Um, They're not like, oh, now you can play with vampires, because everyone knows you can play with vampires. This specifically is to add that Victorian element to it. Um so don't worry about that if, if that's a hang up uh, for you but I read the same thing I was like okay that's the selling point but it's not I that's just kind of how they wrote that article. They also
0: mentioned Curse of Strahd in the article so they obviously know that vampires <laughs> exist. So I, I don't understand why I put listen, it in. Listen, we've
1: both written for news websites there's you know there's a word quota you got to be able to fit three ads on there like cut them a break. <laughs> but but well, I agree. I agree that is a little re- silly. Do
0: your research, know your audience. This is on Dicebreaker. Like come on, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um let's Get let's shit uh, I I think they have their shit together. This is uh Alex Mian, uh good staff writer over at Dicebreaker. Uh be nice, damn it. Um anyways, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but i mean i i am i am very intrigued by it i will say that like victorian era anything plus if they have anything about like adding jack the ripper specifically into D D, or just serial killers in general that's always an aspect i've wanted to play with as a dm just like having a serial killer around because i've never really delved too much into that that would be super cool. And well, I
1: know that's cool. how I got you into one of our first games that we have played together was, I was like, oh, there's a serial killer on the loose. You're like, what? We're in the middle of this fantasy area? And I'm like, that's right. Serial killers are everywhere.
0: We're in a serial uh- <laughs> killer. It's, it's, it's interesting. I like stuff like that because it's, it's such a modern concept that when you apply it to a more, I don't want to say like dated, but you know what I mean. Like something like medieval based or Victorian based when you, add it to that it just kind of adds this really cool dimension to the story i don't know i i like stuff like that i don't know i'll I go after I, a serial killer i'll play one
1: exactly no i i i dig that too i actually i played a serial killer in uh one of my friends D campaigns uh my character had like left the party for any reason and he said like well who do you want to play instead and, and i introduced this character named Morn. he was a bard um who was pretending to be a half elf friend and he was actually a serial killer the whole time. So when the party would break off and we'd go on our shopping sprees, I would go murder NPCs and I was setting myself up oh, to be a big bad for the campaign. It was really cool. That's
0: so cool. Yeah, it was I a lot that. of
1: fun. Yeah, and like they, they come to trust cuz like the bards are charismatic and they're they're the good time gang and he was a friend of their like, you know, prior party mate. So there was yeah. some trust there and it really broke their hearts when they had to murder I do him. And it. Yeah, yeah, but it was really <laughs> yeah, really fun to play and a really cool twist because a lot of them hadn't played a lot of D&D at that time and they didn't really know past the confines of, well, we need a healer and we need a knight and we need sure. a rogue. So they didn't know you could do things like that and it really opened up their mind to what you could do in a and d campaign. Same with the DM. I came to him with this idea and he was like, I've never thought of doing something like that. Let's totally try it. And now he does all sorts of off-the-wall shit just because I was like, hey, can I play a serial killer?
0: It just... <laughs> You just need that one idea, that one player or that one article or that one stuff. Supp- you just need to stumble across that one thing that makes you go, hey, no, you could do that. Yes. And then after that point, like you just do all sorts of crazy stuff. Not even as a DM and a player, you, you reach that boundary and you're like, oh, I can keep pushing this. Let's keep pushing this. And it's one of the most beautiful things about D&D. Just keep pushing each boundary to see what kind of crazy ideas you can come up with.
1: It's so cool. I remember like what really broke it open for me was um, my players wanted to run a heist game. They were like, can we, can we do something like oceans 11, but fantasy. And I was like, hell yeah, I totally want to run that. I love that genre. Let's do this. And I was having trouble coming up with how they all come together. And my buddy Jerry was like, Hey, it'd be kind of interesting if like I was interrogating them and that's how I joined the party. Like they offer me a better deal. So I came up with this idea where they all get kidnapped um and they don't know why so the first time they meet each other instead of it like at a bar and they agree to go on this campaign is they are kidnapped and they're all basically being uh recruited to be part of this gang to go on this uh this heist and uh, they don't know why they're being interrogated or that it's a job interview basically and that came together because of all of my players having this idea and now that's one of my my most fun things in my head is like, how are we going to do that first episode where they all meet? Yeah, and that's it's always, come up with all that's sorts always of all, in the back of shit.
0: a DM's head, right? Yeah, you don't you do want to do the tavern thing because I mean, my first campaign that I ever ran, it starts in a tavern. Like it's a classic for a reason. It definitely works, especially for new DMs. But as soon as you've done it, or you've done it enough times, or you play with a, a group of very experienced players, you're like, okay well, how can I really up the ante, like, from session one? Like, what can yeah. I do to make this different?
1: And, and it, it, if you do a good session one, I feel like the campaign just comes together on its own. Um, not yeah. that you don't have to try anymore, but it that carries over just, like, the, the party charisma, if you will, like the group mentality of, oh, we're in this together. If you have a good session one, you don't have to push that as hard as the, as it goes. Yeah. The players will do it themselves.
0: Exactly. Yeah. When you start off on that foot. But conversely, you know, if you have kind of like a mediocre, kind of a bad session one, I would also argue that doesn't mean you're doomed. I've had DMs in games that I've played. I've heard of other people having kind of iffy sessions, like either their new DMs or experienced DMs. And they're just like, you know, this didn't really jive. Or we just got off of a really long campaign and I tried this over and I don't really remember how to run early stuff. Yeah. And there's absolutely no shame in that either. If you have a bad or a mediocre session one, that doesn't have to define the rest of the campaign either Mm-mm. at all like it, it starting out gr- sound starting out good and then building on that good is great that's the goal but if you don't achieve that that's okay too that doesn't mean you're a bad dm <laughs> <ever>. <laughs> no it
1: doesn't i apologize too because it does sound like i was like well if it's not great you're fucked <laughs> 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 i would argue no, I though if it. your session three is still bad maybe think about changing it up
0: (laughs) yeah if you're if you're doing the same things and you're still feeling some sort of way i again i argue like if you if you keep want to keep trying and your players want to keep trying then keep trying but if you don't, then just start something new. There's nothing wrong with that either. Like, we need to be be nice to your DMs. <laughs> be nice to your. play. Be just be nice to each other, like it's okay. It's a game. It's fine.
1: <laughs> so back to the Penny Dreadfuls fabled uh, our uh, fanged fables, real quick. So one yes. of the things that drew me to this number one is the price tag. For a dollar, you get the full PDF copy. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Yes, and I, I highly recommend that. I I buy most things PDF wise if I don't absolutely need to get my hands on it and hard copy mm-hmm. just because limited space I have a bunch of kids it's also expensive as fuck to buy shit in print it's
0: so <laughs> expensive
1: and being able to control F and go where the fuck is that table like I, I do appreciate that yes. ability so the $1 yeah. PDF is awesome and then the other thing is a lot of times when you get these supplements that want to give you this flavor, um, and this is no this is no detriment to theirs or a critique or anything, a lot of times they pull out elements. They go, okay, I want to run a Penny Dreadful campaign, so you can only play as a human or a human with one of these ailments, you know, werewolf. It's some sort of supernatural tingent to it, right? You mm-hmm. know, you're a human witch. You're a human werewolf. You're a human vampire, even though the, the, some of those are, are uh, contradictory. Um, mm-hmm. But y- you get the idea. Uh this one doesn't. This one comes up with reasons why the orcs are there. What is the orc society in this Victorian setting uh so they don't just pull out all the elements and go now it's pretty dreadful they really found reasons and cause for a lot of the 5e rules to still exist in this setting like even curse of straw doesn't do a good job of that i would argue that you you move to that area and there are other races but for the most part you're playing that classic van helsing romani village there's vampires in the hills uh, mm-hmm. mostly human NPCs. This one does a really good job of going, no, you're here playing fantasy. You have an orc in your party. There's gnomes around. Um, this is them in that Victorian setting. So that really draws me to it between those two. That's why I recommend it. Mm-hmm. I just backed for the PDF copy. I'm sorry. I'm not rich. I can't do the $5. it's
0: oh, okay. I'm sure they forgive you.
1: Their goal was $100. They hit that already. Just so you know, they're at like 2000 awesome. 000-
0: Oh, shit.
1: Uh, $322. And their big long-term goal, like for print copies and some other cool stuff, is uh-huh. $5,000. So they're about halfway there.
0: Nice.
1: Yeah. So shout out to them. Uh, go check out Fang Fables. Uh, Luna Publishing Presents, <laughs> colon, Penny Dreadful's Fang Fables <laughs> is the full name. <laughs> and I'll put the, the way- link there.
0: The way you described it at the very end with all of the different reasons stuff, have you ever seen Carnival Row?
1: Yes, yes. It's a lot like
0: like Carnival Row. I
1: you know, that's a show that I will critique. I don't think it's a good show. I really I loved it.
0: (laughs) I love Carnival Row. But I I love, uh, I just love urban fantasy and I love Victorian stuff. Yes. And that's the vibes
1: from the show were great. The the story they told, I think like the thing is the good story, in my opinion, that there, that is there happened like a millennia ago in that. (laughs) In that setting, they refer yeah. to all the events and they're like, oh, when this happened, I'm like, I would rather see that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, I think, yeah, it, it, it's definitely a story that um, didn't start in the right place.
1: <laughs> yeah, the problem is, I, is, you know, uh, Kara Delavine is great, and then you got Orlando yeah. Bloom looking sexy as hell, and I'm like, well, I'm in, but. I'm in damn it
0: but i get it i get it 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 was it's not my favorite show of all time by any means but i was very entertained and i really liked it and i am excited that they're doing a second season so that they can like expand on what they've built so far because what i've seen i really like and i think it, it has potential to be like just a really really good show with maybe kind of like a an okay first season that can only get better because of the talent that's in the show. Because all the acting is great, and then also the setting is just just my cup of tea personally.
1: And that's honestly, I if you like Penny Dreadful, like to get onto that like subject of where we were, I, I do recommend Carnival Row because it was a similar vibe. Uh, not mm-hmm. not in the the supernatural darkness of it, but in the the characters really carry the story.
0: Yes, definitely. Like, when you,
1: if you watch Pretty Dreadful, there's obviously supernatural stuff going on. They don't try to hide the fact that there's vampires and witches ab- around, but they're not the point of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's the interpersonal relationships, and uh, I, I, it was like an adult Buffy. Like if I could really get you know reductive with it, and <laughs> Carnival Row is a similar thing. the The story isn't about the war between the fairies and everybody in the city they're just there. It's just that character happens to be a fairy and it, and it um, adds to their pathos. And that's that's why I like the show. And that's like, watching them interact is the entertaining part. It's not that there's this awesome war because they just keep talking yeah. about the war that already happened, you know? Uh, right. <laughs> and that's why,
0: and I think that's probably why it, it still stands out is like, even if it's not the best fantasy show, it's a good fantasy show because a lot of, genre snobs in any sort of media or literature or anything. There are a lot of people who don't like fantasy stuff because fantasy for a long time had the reputation of favoring plot over character. Yeah. But we've seen in like the past decade, I'll say, at least in media, books have been doing it forever. But in in mainstream media, we've seen in the past 10 plus years, 10 or so years, that fantasy shows or even – I think mean, science fiction shows have been doing it for a long genre time. Genre television as a whole. Genre television as a whole has been really, really getting into character stuff way more. So like that argument that people have been having, like in academia, in just certain circles, um, just invalid now because like, <laughs> there's so many good, really, really, really good shows that are genre. Like they are Penny Dreadfuls, they are high fantasy. And they have really amazing, probably some of the best characters in television we've seen in a really long time. Right, And it,
1: and it goes far back. Like I, I would argue that like Star Trek was doing that, right? Like you didn't see yeah. the action. It wasn't Star Wars. You didn't see the action. You saw Kirk go, okay, how I'm going to think about this and solve this problem. Um, you get into things like Battlestar Galactica, Babylon five, um, mm-hmm. where it's like, they don't have the money to do big giant ship battles outside. So they just got to talk about the implications of war And those are sci-fi, you know, you know, things. Game of Thrones obviously is a, is a better example when it comes to fantasy, but the budget constraints that come with fantasy and sci-fi, I think have produced some of the best character uh, stories that you can get to. And like you said, a lot of it is, oh, maybe, maybe it's mostly plot. I, I would argue that's really true in a lot of fantasy books. Right, like mm-hmm. if you were to get into the Ari Salvatore, um, you know, Forgotten Realms adventure books, some of those characters are pretty thin. But is that that different than when you go and watch a Die Hard movie?
0: It's not, but also action, I would argue, is a um, is its is its own genre. Like I would constitute that as like a genre.
1: Yeah, and that's the like my action that I like happens to have a dragon in it rather than a helicopter.
0: Yeah, yeah, and,
1: and mm-hmm. so in like ah, I've always liked those. Like, even I, I, I love '80s action movies too. So, I'm not not trying to show yeah. them Die Hard, but when it's when the idea is the action and you have a little bit of character in there, like enough to where like I care about this person and their interactions with people, you can be sparing and still tell yeah. a good story. But when you're trying to tell like a 22 episode show, like something like 24, for example, um, even though it's 24 <laughs> episodes, but you get what I'm saying, like like that long of <laughs> yeah, television, yeah, you. you have to focus more than what they normally do. They just don't do that. But you mm-hmm. get something like Carnival Row or Game of Thrones to do a bigger example where it's like, Okay, hey, we only have 10, 12 episodes. Let's yeah. let's focus in on the characters. I just feel like you get to know them so much better and it is like reading a novel. And I I prefer that over, you know, network television where I get forty five episodes of Jethro Gibbs or whatever the hell his name is. Yeah, uh, you know, hunting I... down a lot of people in the Navy, which there's too much murder in the Navy. Can I just and tell you I... that?
0: i (laughs) yeah and (laughs) i i argue too that like with certain like long-running shows characters aren't don't become characters anymore they become caricatures yeah so they fall into you see this a lot with comedy too um like with modern like modern family or um friends ran for a really long time and i love friends friends is still one of my favorite shows but towards the end like you know, it's the same recycled jokes all over again. Like Monica's the clean, uptight one. Rachel is the fun fashionista, you know? Joey's eating they become sandwich. These... Exactly. And they become these caricatures, which are fun and entertaining, but they don't have as much depth as when you were first discovering the characters, I would argue, along with the writers. Because when you start a TV show, there is no guarantee that you're going to get picked up for more than a season or two, depending on what the season order is. So, like... I understand sometimes why early seasons are a bit rough and like they don't have everything flushed out yet because you don't have that stability built in but you know when you get to that sweet spot of character development like in the middle of the season and then you know you have the shows that just go on for too long and they become characters and it's just (laughs) bad it just just becomes bad and which is so unfortunate like some of the some really great shows just go on for too long. Like how oh, I met your mother and you know, <laughs> which has arguably one of the worst endings of all time. And I'll fight anybody who says otherwise. I,
1: I like parts of that ending to, uh, just to get on the, how I met your mother train for a moment. Like the fact that <laughs> spoilers for a show that's now decades old. Um, I like the fact that he ends up with Robin in the future timeline. I think that was Boo. interesting. That's, no, 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 no. Hear me out. Hear me out. I Cause that's Boo. what the story was about. It's not about her. The problem is when they introduced um I, I Miliati, I can't think of her first name, but the mother, the titular mother, um, Tracy. Tracy, thank Tracy you. Deirdre I Deirdre I, Deirdre. I can't Deirdre. think of the the actress's name, uh, her first name, but yeah, Christi- but Tracy t- Kristen Kristen, Kristen Miliati. Yep, yep. Thank you. Yeah, okay. Um, she was so good, and she was so good, so good in such a breath of fresh air. They ran into a problem. If she was only okay, I think people wouldn't have hated that ending as much. The problem is she was fucking amazing, and she was only there for, like, five episodes. And- well,
0: it's that! It's that! And also, they the entire last season was Barney and Robin's wedding. Like, that's so stupid. Like, do not base an entire last season over two other characters' wedding. Like, their wedding, and then just divorce them in the season that doesn't make any sense sure that's,
1: that's why i said like i, I that's why yeah. I, I think you're conflating me saying that the ending is good with me actually what i actually said was that i like the idea that mm-hmm. ted ends up with robin in the way future i that's the one part i like about it and i think them all the moments of tracy are really good the ending as a whole i think is bad <laughs> um the, the, i do i just i think i think it's yeah. rough um but the story is like if you look at the narrative standpoint tracy is negligible like she doesn't matter she's tertiary to the entire thing it's, mm-hmm. it's about robin so from a story standpoint it's good that he ends up with robin and it makes the most sense or he doesn't even end up you know they try again he's got the blue french horn that's that's a that's cyclical narrative i think it works the problem is is that it's at the end of that episode <laughs> which is bad. The problem is at
0: the end of the episode. And the problem is that if if that ending would have happened after like season 5 or 6, it would have made more a lot more sense, but because it kept extending and it kept going beyond that, and I would argue the characters developed beyond that and they they like three or four times they had to say that Ted and Robin were not good for each other. They were not going to end up together and they had to let each other go multiple times. And then they just retconned all that at the end saying, no, all that's all that symbolic stuff. We're just going to.
1: Yeah. And they gave the him window. a better, better character. And the reason why like they can work now is because they're adults. They have none of the hangups that were going to be a problem for their relationship. They already had those relationships. Now they can basically be a fling again. Um, but the, the problem is like, I, everyone would have preferred to just watch the season where it's Tracy in, in the background looming is yeah. maybe she's going to die. I think that would have been a great season of television, um, that harkens yeah. back to the first three seasons of how I met your mother, which I think are close to perfect minus a lot yeah, of the, really uh, a lot of the things that don't age well when it comes to like, you know, Barney's womanizing and honestly, just, Barney. The,
0: just Barney. Barney in general, but <laughs> like, it's
1: not, it's not fair to say he's the only misogynistic writing on that show. Um, oh, well,
0: no, definitely, definitely <laughs> not. Definitely not. Ted has many moments.
1: Oh, exactly. But the fact that, like, you know, Rob, uh, Robin, uh, Lily leaves Marshall at the end of the yeah. second season. Like, that was one of the best uh, reveals ever. Like, It's I still yeah. such a powerful episode of television. The fr- earlier mm-hmm. seasons of How I Met Your Mother are some of the best of TV. And are. there are smatters of that in that last season, which is why it hurts so bad yeah. that it's bad. It's because there are really cool things in there. It's like watching the Game of Thrones uh, finale. Like, there are so many tiny little character moments. Uh, Not just the final episode, the final season. There are so many little character moments that are yeah. good. You're like, "Oh, I would have loved systems. this." Yeah. yeah. Well, I like season 6. I think they they started to rush it, but I don't think it's as bad as what a lot of people say it no, is. No,
0: I think you can you could see the seams kind of tearing. Like there are moments Yes, where you're there's like, a, a
1: few day. rush like I I never the, the whole yeah. the, the fast travel thing that people get mad about and I'm like, "Listen, yeah. I don't care. If the cool stuff, stuff is stuff is happening, about that. yeah, then yeah. that's what I care about." It's that you start to see I'm like, "Whoa, that that only took an episode?" Okay, sure. That only took one
0: conversation? All right we'll see sure. and yeah. then season
1: seven happens like oh that's why because they're done they're done with this show okay
0: they're so done i feel like i could talk about this for ages but this is a D&D podcast. this is a
1: dnd podcast. <laughs> let's bring it back let's bring it back around people people are here for the asides they love you they are okay with me um so it, it's gonna be okay to wrap this up so like we're basically done talking about D, anyways though let's talk about what we've been watching playing uh what's the kind of bs that you want to end with
0: oh man um well i've been going and watching some actual tv recently which if you don't know me i usually don't watch tv super often anymore i don't really know why i usually just watch youtube and streamers or i have for the past couple of years but i'm finally getting back into tv interesting and i started watching the uh the dropout so the one about um theranos yes. with Amanda Seyfried. <laughs> i have watched three episodes i think four are out so I really like it do recommend Amanda Seyfried absolutely disappears into her role and so far I'm really really enjoying all of it and hopefully it'll not get disappointing as the future episodes (laughs) because Pam and Tommy Pam and Tommy got kind of got disappointing like the more you keep watching it but at least for the dropout I still have hope
1: do you recommend people go watch the HBO documentary before they watch the
0: dropout ooh I've watched a couple different documentaries about it. I've also watched YouTube deep dives on it. I definitely recommend if you wa- if you're curious enough, it definitely it helps, but it's not necessary. But okay. I love documentaries and I'll always recommend people um look at the look at the facts first before you watch a docu series just so you can kind of more clearly see what's dramatized and what's not. But if that isn't your jam, you can definitely just watch the dropout and be entertained by it and still understand what's happening.
1: Yeah, I, I would say the same thing, because uh, it's not really a docuseries. It's a biopic, right? This is fictionalized. Um, yeah. It's telling yeah, yeah, the yeah, same yeah, yeah. events, but they, they're amping up the drama. Um, but I, I do recommend going check out the HBO documentary and there's, there's tons of really good YouTube deep dives that just tell like, it's a true story for the most part. Right. Uh, Um, you know, they they fake this blood testing machine all over the place. Um, and -hmm. it's way deeper than that. Uh, but I I do recommend checking that out. I haven't watched the dropout yet. Um, it's on my list. I've seen uh, a few clips because I want to see what Amanda Seyfried was doing, man, is she good. And if so you you think she's hamming it up, if you're like, oh, that's weird. That's, there's no way that lady acted like that. She did. That's she's real. <laughs> like, she's um, real. They
0: even – um. this isn't really a spoiler because if you're familiar with the story, they even go into her faking her own voice into oh my the God. show. And I thought that was such a good touch because that was such, like, a, a focus for a lot of people because – A lot of people didn't talk about it for a long time. And then people started pointing out that her old voice and old interviews didn't match up with the voice that she used towards the end of Theranos. And so they they're actually showing how at least their version of why she did that and how her voice and just that that was the moment when they started like change Amanda Seyfried started changing her voice. I'm just like. This is you are her like it's it's uncanny. It's spooky. If you like, have any gifted
1: friends is. like somebody who's like, oh, wow, you're way too smart for your own good. And you but they make weird decisions, but they can justify it in their own logic. That is sure. the Theranos story. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's because like she's doing the voicing. And I'm like, I know people like that. I know people that would do that and we could justify it. like, well, because <laughs> this. And I'm like, that's insane. They're like, no, no, it's not insane because this I'm like, it's only not insane to you, bud. Uh, yeah <laughs> but she just she's not surrounded by people to tell her that's not insane. Um, that's kind of the point of the story. I would recommend the dropout over inventing Anna, which is a similar story that's more about a con artist. Really? I recommend it. So like it's a good story. I loved
0: inventing Anna. So
1: did I. So but here's the thing. So the story itself is good and I love all of the people in it, all of the cast. However, mm. the things that they dramatize and the things that they choose to keep true to life, are picked willy-nilly and they don't tell you which ones are true and i think that's really really dangerous in a story that's Mm. meant to be and that's also it's produced by the journalist that did a really awesome article um
0: yeah it is that's why part of the reason why i was so intrigued because i the the commercials the the ads for it just made it look so uninteresting even though i was familiar with the story i'm like oh i don't really know if i like the way they're going about this but then i watched the first episode and i saw that the original article writer was involved I'm like okay i'm a bit more invested now like i understand it's still dramatized up the wazoo but like i'm still interested
1: it's just that like some of the people that they characterize don't like they're kind of shit on whereas in the character that's most that's supposed to be the journalist names change she's the best character in it there's nothing wrong there um and so it's just a little (laughs) problematic because they use the real people's names for everybody else
0: yeah, I found that kind of odd too when I found out that the author's name was different in the show than in real life. Yeah, because everybody else's name is the same. Yeah, but,
1: that's what got me when I read that. I was like, yeah. "Oh, that's a little fucked up." However, that aside, it's a really entertaining show. And if you go and read the real the real articles and go see the real journalism behind it, um, and so you can separate fact from fiction. I I think that that's a a little bit more of uh ideal way to watch it so you you can follow the the real story and so you don't try to conflate mm-hmm. the two because it's important because people got fucked over in that story um there are people yeah, that were hurt people. by her actions exactly yeah. and the same thing with theranos so i i just recommend if you're gonna watch these biopics and these uh you know dramatized versions go see the real story too so when you're yeah. talking about these people you remember that they are people that there are real people think- involved in them
0: I think also um, mentioning that, like, especially with Inventing Anna, they always, they do do a disclaimer saying that they, you know, everything in the story true is true. except for the except things for that are for the aren't. stuff that's made up. That reminded me a lot of The Favourite, if you've watched The Favourite. Yes, they, like, yes. Like, the occasional true story. So when I saw that, I'm like, oh, okay, it's super dramatized because, like, I saw that first in The Favourite where they said everything in the story is true except for the stuff that's made up. And I'm like, oh, okay, so it's definitely conflated Because they're using that kind of tongue-in-cheek humor. So it's a biopic. You shouldn't take it 100% seriously. But I'm sure there's still people who probably will. But the thing
1: about the people in the favorite is they're dead you know <laughs> like, they are, yeah. so you
0: can you can speculate and you can shit on them and you can do whatever you want but yeah, yeah you can't hurt people. them still alive and, that
1: that's my problem yeah. with it it's like uh like if you watch like the big short with like adam mckay's movies uh mm-hmm. fine line right like the real people and fictionalized people that are conglomerates uh, of of other yeah. people um and they walk a fine line and they get releases and they make sure things are real before they dramatize them. And the people that are dramatized, they're punching up a lot of times, like they're rich people, they're people that are affluent. Mm-hmm. Um, and Inventing mm-hmm. Anna has some of that stuff. And so does uh, the dropout uh but i just sometimes i worry because you're not always punching up and those people that you're punching up at have people below them that are affected by it so it's just one of those things like i i I don't think that there's a perfect version of it and you don't have to feel guilty when you're watching media it's like why i didn't tell people not to watch pam and tommy right yeah like i felt guilty that doesn't mean you have to and go watch it because we have enough shit to worry about than crying when i'm watching a show right
0: yeah yeah exactly
1: um all of that being said i i recommend those same shows i haven't been watching as much stuff i've been working my way through um only murders in the building which i recommend if you're into mysteries. oh i
0: loved only murders in the building
1: it's great great. um i have one episode left of vox machina and found out that they're doing a season two which is really exciting super
0: exciting they I, set I, it up in the last episode too so it's like it's hard to miss that there's going to be a second season with the way they end the first one exactly
1: Um, I, I won't spoil anything either but I am excited about that The thing that I've been putting a lot of time into because I can do it while folding laundry is watching dropout.tv. I go over there. Dimension 20 is one of the best things ever. Brennan Lee Mulligan (laughs) and the cast and the writers and everyone behind the scenes are just some of the best people creating content, period. I found out Siobhan Mm -hmm. um, writes for Rick and Morty so
0: does she really Yes, yeah, she
1: did she wrote one of the best episodes of the Look fifth season is like the penultimate yeah. episode and i was like man like this whoever wrote this episode is great and then she pops up she's like when we are breaking the story i'm like God, oh, i love you why are you so good
0: amazing it's like
1: when i see people who popped up um so if, did you watch cracked after hours
0: no, I didn't.
1: So go back and watch After Hours. It's one of, like, you'll love it just the way it dissects media, but it was from com. One of the best things they put out. A lot of really good, talented people. But when Cracked went under, those people didn't pop up in the limelight anymore, really, at all. None of them are real yeah. actors. A lot of them are writers. But you see them pop up on these really, really good shows, and you see the writing pop through, and you're like, oh, it's that person. And that's how I feel sometimes when I see these people from Dimension 20 pop up other places. Yeah. But I've been watching Star Tru- Starstruck Odyssey, um, which is their newest campaign. Um, it's based on uh, uh Mulligan's mom's comic book, Starstruck. Um, mm-hmm. I recommend watching both go watch the campaign read the comic book it's all amazing the crew is great if you're looking for a more sci-fi type thing um i highly recommend it they're using a star wars hack for 5e which is really popular but a little complicated if you're gonna go run it at home (laughs) be careful Uh, because they've used hacks in other campaigns but for the most part it's mostly 5e the star wars hack for 5e is extremely complicated because it introduces really good rules for 3d combat and mm-hmm. new rules for lots of how to like fan uh, how to sci fi um eyes a lot of the fantasy rules, which are great, but it's like relearning a whole new game. So yeah. be careful.
0: Tread with tread with caution. Proceed tread with, with caution. caution.
1: Exactly. Um and let's like speak for Lissa because she's not here. Um she's probably she's watching um i i don't know what what do what do european people watch she's probably watching the bbc um yeah
0: probably watching EastEnders. <laughs> she's, <not. laughs> she's probably just watching um like you know
1: like people who watch c-span here she's probably just watching parliament uh you know just oh yeah just around. watching
0: a bunch of old white guys just yell at each other
1: yeah she's like commenting on their wigs uh because i assume mm-hmm. they still wear wigs right that's how it works Ooh,
0: uh formula 500
1: Oh yes, yes. Um. Uh. The Top Gun or not Top Gun? Uh. Top Gear. She's watching lots of Top, top gear. gear. Yeah. And, uh, to-
0: lots of Top Gear.
1: Uh. The mm-hmm. Great British Bake Off.
0: Obviously, yep. Because all British te- British is European
1: yes yep. yeah that's... <laughs> especially
0: after brexit
1: especially after brexit <laughs> we all know that these uh i can't think of uh, sky tv she's watching sky tv that's more than sky just TV, uh, that's sure. more than just yeah, like that's... britain like that, th- there's other yeah. places that use sky tv She watched a lot of sky tv um yeah
0: <laughs> check out. or or she's too good for television and she's reading
1: oh god with her twining's tea just over there with the novel with
0: Twinings tea which listen exists.
1: i yeah. i'm looking at a cup of tea in the book i'm gonna read as soon as we get off this
0: <laughs> so i can't really talk No. So you're just as bad <laughs> Uh, and also prodigious.
1: like my wife was like asking me like what are we gonna what novel are we gonna read the kids next because we, we read through a lot of children's books and then we also yeah. liked reading them a novel as well a few chapters before bed and i was like i think they're ready for hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy and oh, she nice. dropped yeah. she dropped the bomb she's never read any of the hitchhiker's books
0: i haven't either but
1: <gasps> I oh man i highly recommend hitchhikers to you I, it's right up your alley in so many fucking ways and then <laughs> Um, because you're also not an uncultured swine, I recommend Dirk Gently, and Gently. Dirk Gently is so fucking good. The books are amazing. It's about a hilarious detective, but with all, all of the the um really fun t- tongue and cheek stuff you'd get from Hitchhikers.
0: Oh man! Like yeah, the first sure. mystery it, is him
1: investigating Thor's hammer. Like it's so good. <laughs>
0: amazing there's a
1: really good tv series um that came out too two seasons that are based off the same property and they're kind of canon to it however it was created by max landis who is kind of a notorious piece of shit um yeah so comes with a big disclaimer there i i love the show immensely everybody else involved and the show is i it's so hard for me because it's arguably a masterpiece but he sucks so so it's, like,
0: it's separating the art from the artist kind of discussion yes, right it, exactly
1: exactly but if you don't want to deal with that kind of thing on your conscience <laughs> um, just go check out the Dirk Gently books which are so okay. fucking good
0: Okay, I will add it to my growing list.
1: Ah, so they really, they're 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 targeted towards like teens, um not in the melodrama way, but in the quick read way. Like they're really easy to oh, get through. Okay. There's a lot of um uh, telenovela stuff and like audio plays of them, audio dramas
0: oh, nice. because of that's how cool. easy
1: of reads they are.
0: There's nothing. There's arguably that's like the best book experience. You want something that's super easy to get through that you can picture everything and just enjoy it as much as you enjoy any other piece of media, you know.
1: Exactly. I mean, I think so. I you could probably get through all of the Dirk Gently's and all of the Hitchhiker's Guide in like a week. And probably. like, not, I don't mean like one book. I mean like those are several novels. <laughs> like they're they're I extremely mean, easy books to read.
0: Probably. I'm a very fast reader. Whenever I like something, I will devour it within like hours. Do
1: you do audiobooks at all?
0: I haven't really gotten into them yet. I've been recommended to <laughs> go into audiobooks, but I haven't quite. I haven't given them a fair chance yet. I'm still like treading the water on.
1: So, I, I, do, I don't so. recommend a lot of audiobooks. I, you got to be a specific type of person to read them. I love audiobooks yeah. for nonfiction and my British cheek, basically. So, it's like Good Omens. Like, I recommend the show or the audiobook. The book itself is good, sure. too, but those two I would recommend to just a random listener. Um, it's yeah. the same way for these audiobooks Hitchhiker's Guide, great audiobooks. There's a million different versions. The audio drama is also very good. Um, they're all put on by the BBC, and you get like some nice. really big name people reading them. I think the version that's on Audible right now has uh let's see audible hitchhiker's guide i'm you know two thousand years old so i have to read what mm. i'm typing into google um, obviously
0: remind yourself so you don't forget
1: yeah so douglas adams is the author of those books i realize i, I neglected to say his name <laughs> so but D- oh, douglas adams mm. is hilarious one of the best writers of all time sadly rest in peace um stephen <laughs> fry is who narrates. Oh,
0: I love it. Stephen Fry. Yes, and it's He's so good. Out. He He's in the dropout. He is. in the dropout. Uh, <laughs> <Love him.
1: laughs> full, full circle. Full circle. Full
0: circle. Full It's all connected.
1: It's all connected. Yeah. So go read those. Go play those games. I'm. I'm still. I'm. I'm still playing Power Rangers. And I'm gonna. I'm running a hack next Saturday. That's basically Common Rider. Uh, if you don't know what Common Rider is, it's just another one of those Tokusatsu Japanese, you know, Power Rangers Super Sentai games um but i'm running a hack of the power rangers rpg to do common rider and i'm very excited for it and i highly recommend annoying. the 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 new rpg system the d20 essence system so and lissa is in the chat she is alive uh no comment on the tea or the the book or the british <laughs> bake-off so we'll we'll get the real facts for you i uh, get it
0: maybe maybe she'll have a chance to redeem herself next time but unlikely
1: exactly Shar. where can the people find you
0: They can find me uh, running the Slovenly Trolls Twitter at Slovenly Trolls. Yay!
1: Yay! (laughs) Yay! And go listen to Slovenly Trolls. They're amazing. Um, Way more research goes into their D and D podcast than this D and D podcast. However, you only get it once a month, so fucking tune in, damn it. Like you like that shit, go (laughs) download it. Okay. Exactly. Takes them a goddamn month to get that shit ready sometimes exactly a month sometimes i go hey everyone it's the 29th you got it ready to go they're like we're editing it shut up, shut uh, up! <laughs> so so yeah so go check it out damn it uh i am not on another D podcast i am on right in the fields you can check that out wherever podcasts are sold for free um, and we just talk about nostalgia stuff. So kind of like this, but older, uh,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like not the stuff you care about now. It's like the stuff that you used to care about that people like mention now. So like we, we just did a review on the Batman, but a lot of it is just us talking about Batman forever for like an hour and a half.
0: Oh, Batman forever is my favorite Batman movie. It's
1: so good. Um, so like, and you know, we'll talk about maybe watching the new Degrassi show, but really we talk about Pollyanna for an hour and a half. so yeah full circle exactly so it's a really good time go check that out if you like nostalgia media in general or people who have adhd talking on a mic um so we're over there. I got comic books all over on CampyKillCreations.com. You can check out all of our comic book information over there, as well as all of our other podcasts and extra content. And if you want to get the extra special stuff, you can head on over to Patreon.com/slashCampyKillCreations. That keeps the lights on, keeps chicken sandwiches in our pockets, keeps the mics going. So if you like this podcast, the Slovenly Trolls, right in the fields, any of that. Give us a buck or two over there. It really, really helps out. And, you know, we have an awesome community of people that are really, really nice, like all the same shit you do. So, it's a good community over there. Uh, That's all I have for plugs. I think we can let the people go. Um, Lissa is on the internet, but you can't find her.
0: No, she's hiding.
1: (laughs) All right, this has been the Cape Trolls, and we're out. Now comes that special time of the show where we thank our Patreon producers. This month we have Chantrell Every. Thank you so much, Chantrell. You keep the lights on, the mics going, and really just give us the energy and the funds to keep doing this every single day. So I just want to say again, thank you, Chantrell, for everything you do and all of your support. And if you want to become a Patreon producer like Chantrell, you can head on over to Patreon.com slash Can't Creations and join at the Patreon producer level. That's the $10 level or above. And you can get shoutouts like Chantrell. But no one else did. So there can be only one. You are the Highlander. Chantrell, thank you.